Rising Podcast, a podcast about Phoenix Rising Football Club. I'm Kellen Olson, joined as always by Jake Anderson. Jake, we've talked about for a couple of weeks now, we could be heading into our last podcast episode, kind of foreshadowing the a pessimistic outlook, perhaps, and just saying, um, this could be the end. It, we did not expect it to be the end. I think both of us were ready for Rising to lift that trophy. They lifted one already this year. We were expecting a second, but... Here we are, and they've been maybe eliminated. Even three. Yeah, maybe even three. And they, they've been eliminated in the semifinals of the Western Conference side of the playoff bracket. 2-1 to Real Monarchs, something that you talked about in the 2-1 loss to Monarchs in the regular season was that this was a game, that was a game where Rising had more chances, but Monarchs finished more. And voila, same score, same sort of storyline here. You kind of just saw this, you saw the similarities right after, after the game. Yeah, and first off, I'm going to apologize for my voice. I guess the next day, I just kind of started picking up a little bug, and <laughs> now I'm all stuffed up. Your body's like in this. denial. Your body can't yeah, believe my, it. My, my body can't handle it. But uh, yeah, they were eerily similar games, honestly. They both resulted in 2-1 Monarchs victories. Um, the goals in which they were scored were very different. The first one, you had a very iffy penalty call, and then a Zach Lubin howler on a corner. And this time you had two legitimate goals in the first half, but the whole takeaway from that first game earlier in October was that's how fragile your playoff life is. A little mistake, a refereeing error, and your season's over. And we see what happened on Friday. They get out to that lead in the 25th minute from Junior Flemings, and you're kind of thinking, like, okay, they're going to they're gonna take it to them. I thought the lineup structure with having Kalistri. Joey Kalistri yeah. in for Jose Aguinaga was kind of that, all right, we saw what happened last time. We just didn't finish. Let's go for blood. Let's get this game over at 3-0 at the half, it seemed like was kind of the goal. And obviously ended up being 2-1 at half, but you still thought that Phoenix was in it. You thought they'd, they'd come back, but it's very, very simple game. If you don't put the ball in the net, you're well, not going to score. Yeah, let's stop there for now at the 1-0 scoreline because I think the main thing for me, even at halftime when they're down 2-1 was, and, and I tweeted this, like the front three are buzzing. Like We were waiting for Solo to kind of get in his groove a bit, and his passing was really there. Uh, not so much like the runs through and the finishing or anything like that so far or creating shots, but they were there. John had the had the great, that was, that was them. It was the 1-2-3 from them to set up Flemings for the goal. So even down 2-1 and a half, I'm like, we... We've seen we haven't seen them come back a ton, but we've seen them put up three goals in fifteen minutes and, and all these sorts of situations under ten minutes where they've just been able to score at will, especially with those three when they're clicking, and it looked like those front three were clicking. So I think that coming into the match, I said that I would not be surprised. I predicted that Monarchs was gonna score. I did not predict you that Monarchs did. was gonna win, you but did. I thought Monarchs was gonna score, which is actually kind of a a bold claim against the rising defense which has been so good. But I did not um, expect to be like surprised if they lost. 
But if you would have asked me, like, am I going to be surprised if Rising loses game at halftime? I would have said yes. Because I thought at halftime, I was like, okay, defense. Maybe Monarchs even scores another goal. But I think Rising have at least two in them, maybe even three, four, just with the way the front three were going. And again, like you said, the offensive style of the lineup selection. So it was actually a pretty surprising loss beyond... Um, them being upset at home, and even even with their form, they're still the favorite in this game, no doubt. So mm-hmm. there were many elements of it that were surprising to me. W- what did you make of the way the game went from there after Fleming scored and everything just kind of didn't click like we expected it to, maybe? So statistically, Rising Out shot Monarchs 25-10, to 10, but they were even on goals on target, and I think that's the biggest storyteller you had. Uh, Kevin Lambert missed the target completely on a header in the first half. And then you had three other chances in the second half. And Adam John had a missed header from the six-yard box. You had John Vaccaro had a shot from the top of the 18 that was kind of a setup for him. And then uh, Joey Farrell, I think, had the biggest howler of them all in terms of misses. And my point with these misses is they didn't hit the target. They didn't test the goalkeeper. And... They are just chances that, A, I know for a fact Adam John should have said, would have said, excuse me, he should have scored, let alone put it on target. Joey Farrell, we talked about this before we started recording, wasn't the easiest of chances. He's a defender, but still. The ball falls there. You're two yards from the line. Two yards. The keeper's on the ground. It's basically (laughs) a rebound. It's one of those how did he miss it kind of things. And I think that really was... In a nutshell, if you didn't see any of this game, if I just showed you that highlight, that was it. It was how did they just not score here? Did and, you did you sense those moments kind of being like a they realized they might lose right now and their season might be ending and it, it it kind of unraveled for them a little bit desperation, if you will. I didn't sense that through the way they were playing. I thought they they, they were rushing because they're behind and yeah. they need to score a goal, but they were not. It did not seem to fall apart and unravel for them, really. I just kind of thought it was more of, were not they were not more clinical. No, they they were not clinical in any aspect of the word, and which is where you bring up all those chances, of course. Yeah, exactly. And I think once you get to like the seventieth minute, whereabouts, that's kind of when you start to get the the change in your mindset of. Not, we have time still, we have a game to keep playing, keep up our strategy to like, okay, like we got to go now. Like We're running out of time. We saw the substitutes from Rick Schantz. You ended up having an extremely, extremely attacking lineup. You ended up bringing on Ben Spencer and Jason Johnson and taking out Kavon Lambert and Amadou Dia. So at that point, it was literally panic mode and you're being eliminated if you don't score. So you kind of have to go into that mode but I think once that feral miss happened because the feral miss was the last one of the glorious chances so to speak because then we saw Zach Lubin made two saves <laughs> one-on-one saves so where I yeah. thought both times it was going to be 3-1 at that point me too especially with how they were finishing yeah exactly so it was the same rising team that never died and never was going to go out without a fight but it's just sad to see that a team that just set the all-time record in goals and points and a win streak and all this, unfortunately, falls short in the treble quest for a Western Conference trophy and for the USL Cup trophy, which is what happened to 
Cincinnati last year. They fell in the exact same round. So it's kind of like, do we look at this as a failure of a season or do we want to look at it as Shantz alluded to after the season where let's look at this as a season and let's look at this as a tournament because the rest of the world, we know soccer works. It's just a season with no playoff system to crown the victor, that regular season title, that supporter shield that is your title. So what I'm getting at with that is looking forward to next year, let's be honest, this rising team isn't going to play better. And if they do, it's an even it's a third consecutive historic season in this league. Yeah. You know? So I think we really, really need to take a look back and kind of value what did Phoenix just do? And this is the first time that this city, the Valley, has seen a soccer team do this. And I think I really picked up on that when I saw all the kids around the field crying after the game was officially over. Mm-hmm. Because I was raised here. We never had a soccer team. Not like this. So I think the yin and yang in life is if someone's crying, that means you had something great. You had something. So having that team that they, you know, we all thought was honestly going to go the distance and to come up short just like that, I think we really need to value and and see what Rising did is something that is going to be very special for a long, long time. Indeed. Uh, to kind of wrap up the game, I was looking at this personally. Like, if Monarchs runs into a side that... If Monarchs... If Rising runs into a side that moves the ball well and can finish their chances, they are really in trouble because... The way the defense was playing, the way that they weren't necessarily controlling games in a dominant fashion that they did two months ago, three months ago, they were they were so far out of their best form. It just felt like they were so vulnerable. And just from the jump, even before Monarch scored and the way that they were moving the ball in the attacking third, which is, I think, the key thing here is because their buildup was okay. It, it was okay. But once they got in the attacking third, they were in business. They were moving the ball around. Rising just didn't seem to have the defensive backbone is a really strong term it makes like I'm like like I'm insulting their effort level or not it's nothing like that but it's just the the final line of defense was just not there their defense did not get stronger it got weaker once they moved up the field more and then once you saw the way monarchs was moving the ball in those situation really crisp and then the way they finished both those goals it's like okay like they might score again in this game and then they got the one-on-ones later off the counters and to me that that was just what we were afraid of and it was also like the combination of the offense not necessarily showing up. And I'll say, for, for this team, with the way that they played in the season, the historic goal numbers and everything like that with the defense, but it, it, it was more offense than defense for this team throughout the season, the way that they, if they only manage one goal a game, it's it's not good enough. And, and it was just not good enough in this game, and it was not good enough for their season. Um and, and, and it's really disappointing, um, obviously, to watch them. But at the same time, this was not one of those really fluky one chance or one. They just got beat. They were – Monarchs were – I don't want to say they were the better side because I think Rising still played better. But what you said um, earlier to me off mic, like more clinical. They were, they were yeah. just more clinical. And that is, in this specific format, the most clinical team is always going to win. Um, and, and this is where we can kind of talk about the season as a whole, how we look back on it and stuff, the, 
the structure, the format, it sucks. It's not great. You should just have aggregates on you should have a home and away a home and home kind of deal, home and away thing. Um but with that being said, with the way rising, they were not just the number one seed in this tournament, they were the best team ever in the history of this league. And for them to have performances like this in back-to-back playoff games, I think you have to look at this season as a bit of a disappointment. There is a way to phrase it, though, like Sean said, where like this is a tournament, we already did the season, and we won the season. I mean, that's that's great and all, but they're not going to... When they talk about this season in USL history a decade from now, they're going to talk about this this team, of course, because of how historic they were, but they're going to be talking about the team that won the league as well. And most the the thing they're going to bring up about Rising at the end always is going to be they got knocked out three rounds, two rounds before the final. Yeah. In so the, uh, I, I think that is always going to be the um, – you just look back at historic teams that were all-time greats that didn't wind up winning a championship. That always winds up being um, the way that they are remembered. And unfortunately for them, I think that is – how they are going to be remembered by a lot of people. I know others are going to just look at the historic season and Dollar Beer Night and just the, the winning streak. That streak ended as well. Yeah, and oh yeah, the home. Oh, wow. Everything yeah. came to an end this year. Everything. Very sad. It seemed like it was going the other way when we looked at the schedule and just all the teams that they've lost to that they were lining up with. It's like, man, this just feels right. Um, but it, it didn't wind up going that way. So that's how I personally feel about the season. I know a lot of people are going to disagree, um, but, but I do see it um, – Failure is a really strong word, but but I do see it as a failure to not at least make the Western Conference final at a chance for they didn't have a chance at either trophy in the playoffs, and to me that is um, a failure, unfortunately. Yeah, I I think the last thing I'll say about the game, and then I'll get to kind of the season as a whole, is I don't want to blame the whole game on Joey Farrell because it's not just his fault; it's all their faults. Everyone takes a part in a, a loss as a team but the absence of Mustafa Dumbuya I think had a bigger effect on the game than we might have realized one thing I noticed especially in the first half when they scored both goals that Monarchs that is there were a lot of touches in and around Phoenix Rising's box which anyone trying to play defense knows that is not what you want at all you now want the opposition to have the ball in and around your penalty area and I think the fact that Corey Whelan had to move out to replace Mustafa on the right, Corey did a fantastic job. I think Corey's the best defender on this team. But the lack of continuity, which is something that we had been talking about coming into the playoffs, the lack of continuity between A.J. Cochran and Joey Farrell, I think, showed just a tad bit because of all those touches that were coming right in front of the center back pairing duo that was right behind you know, a Kevon Lambert type in that little pocket. Um, I think that's especially visible on the second goal of the game by Michael Chang. He kind of he cut back in after getting the ball, and it was A.J. Cochran stayed on you know his zonal man side, and he the Chang just kept cutting across, cutting across, cutting across, and he gets that shot off. And again, not Joey Farrell's fault, I'm saying, but he just happens to be the guy that unfortunately gave Chang the half a yard that he needed and we've been talking about how it's the playoffs you only need half a yard half a chance half a second and half a yard goes in or half a yard goes out and obviously we know the result so I think collectively we see how each little 
piece has an effect on the other. I also don't think Solo played his best, especially down the stretch. I mean, how long did he go without a goal? After everything that we had been seeing, we had kind of been expecting him to break the goal-scoring record, and then he had a big drought. So, obviously, they didn't end in form or on fire, and we can keep harping in all the reasons why, but from a total season's outlook perspective, I, I would say it's a disappointing season just because the expectations after everything were, you know, it's at least get back to the Western Conference Finals, you said. Uh, James Moose said after the final last year, we'll be back, meaning we'll be back in the final. Um, I think the fact that they just had the regular season that they did have and they did get one piece of, of hardware, one trophy, makes it better. It's still a disappointing season at the end of the day, but you can still look back and say this is, one of the most special groups. This is one of the most special teams that we've ever seen. And hopefully going forward, it doesn't break up. It doesn't get dispersed. It doesn't get forgotten. And then, and speaking of getting broken up, now we have to look into next season as to what players are coming, what players are going. Um, I know Corey Whelan and Joey Calistri both said that they will be back next season. That's good. Everyone else... It's kind of a game if you want to play that game because we kind of have no idea as to what certain players' career aspirations are going to be, what other clubs want certain players. You know, you could very well guess the likes of Junior Flemings are going to be wanted by many. Yeah, um, let's talk about that to kind of end it here and, and sort of preview the... This is not like any other sport where you can kind of even... Um, this is not like the Prem or any other top five league because there's the natural progression here. Even when you're talking about like um, the championship in, in England, it's it's not something where your team gets completely poached, but that is regular going here in this league. And especially when you have a year like that and you're on everyone's radar all of a sudden, um, what can you really tell? Um, that And that, of course, is me like kind of, faintly paying attention to what happens in these types of leagues, but why don't you kind of give the listeners a background for those not as familiar with USL and just how this type of off season can take place. And then I will, to kind of end it, I will say the one guy that I'm worried about the most in terms of like, I think he's gone is probably junior. I just think physically he's built for like not top, top, top football, but right around there like with the way that he moves the way that he's like physically imposing and just the way that he sees the ball and the way it moves around solo is the better player i think and on rising this year but junior is the guy to me where if i was a team a, a league or two above like in the mls for example he's the guy that i would be spotlighting on this team so so tell us a bit about the process here what what we can expect how many names we should really expect to not be back so this was something I had a concern for after last season, and the turnover ended up not being too bad. Um, so we saw the likes of, obviously, Junior was new, Dembuyo is new, Adam John. Adam John is new, Aguinaga, Pacero, but at the same time, all these guys we just named were absolutely pivotal parts of the team's success. Mm-hmm. So with the guys that leave and with guys that come in, we look at the guys that left, Chris Cortez, Didier Jogba, um, Gatsunawako, Carl Wojcinski didn't leave, but essentially with Zach Lubin being the keeper for the most of the year, it's almost as if you have a new team you lost. 
Uh, Joey Farrell didn't leave, but Joey Farrell didn't become the predominant starter. You had Corey Whelan was new. AJ Cochran was new. So, in a sense, you have new players or players that are stepping into new roles. Um, but with a team like this, with a team that had this much success, we already saw Colin Fernandez go to St. Louis in the middle of the season. Um, Devin Vega and the team parted their ways. So you have the guys who can absolutely get playing time on other teams, kind of like James Musa types or Alessandro Riggi types who can play elsewhere and they're not getting the minutes here. And those are the kind of players, are they going to go and try to get playing time elsewhere? Are they going to stay? I think Riggi had a, I don't want to say cryptic, but it was one of those where he had a Instagram story with him and James Musa about how they had rehabbed together because Musa got hurt during the playoffs last year, and it was kind of like a goodbye for one of them. And the team and Chance said that after the game on Friday that there was going to be some some news coming pretty soon. So I think we'll be hearing about players coming and going here in the next few weeks. Um, but we'll see what happens. Um, I I would be willing to say that Solo won't go anywhere if I had to guess just because of his age. He's approaching 30. Um, But every other player, and we've kind of been talking about him, like Adam John, he's approaching 30, but he's got the skill. He he looks like an MLS quality striker. He he looks fantastic, so it's kind of like, okay, he could go because Chris Cortez just as easily went. Like John McCarroll's like on, he's on loan from John McCarroll doesn't even belong to the team, yeah. you know. So he's yeah. going back to TFC. So it's really going to be interesting here how a who leaves and b who gets replaced, and then you know second part of that who do they replace those players with? Um, Rick Schantz after the game said that a lot of players actually come up to them and ask them to like look at them for next season, so to speak. But uh, he actually did say that he's going to Barcelona and Chelsea uh, this winter to train with them. Didier Drogba will be with him in, in London. So hopefully he'll pick up some some other uh, strategies up there as well. Shout out to my guy, Christian Pulisic, getting freed from his cage. Four goals in two matches. Look at what happens, Frank Lampard, you bozo. <laughs> uh, the American. Greatest American of all time already at the age of 20, 21. He is all of our sons. We need to protect him. Can't. Not even in the subs for some of these games. Ridiculous. Play the boy. He is very, very good. You paid a lot of money for him for a reason because he is good. 70 mil? Way better than Mason Mount. Stop being biased, Frank. Play the kid. <laughs> but uh, Can you it, imagine if... Rising, rising, rising could sign him, Chris and Yeah, sure. They got the money, right? <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, that that's kind of cool, honestly. Like, he can say, like, I'm going to Spain and England, and you're probably, like, expecting, like, oh, maybe he'll, like, no, he's going to Barcelona and Chelsea. So those are talking about places where he can he can learn something. And I'm not saying that in offense to him. I'm saying anyone could learn stuff well, going there. Well, here's another thing: if Phoenix next season has a similar season, they finish top of the West and they I don't know lose in the Western Conference Final. Does Shantz get poached? Ooh. Because if Shantz keeps having success, I don't know how much longer he's here and not that that's anything against Phoenix Rising than for any of these players. Yeah. You know, let's say, I don't know, Columbus Crew or San, San Jose calls Adam John and says, hey, we should have never let you go in the first place. Yeah. And they're not going to say no, and I don't think the team should be disappointed in saying, no, go yeah. progress your career. It's it's really unpredictable. Um, 
we'll we'll see where it takes us. I just don't know, yeah, even how to sign it off because we just we it's going to be there will be either way less change than we expect or like around what we're expecting, which is just all out havoc, and they have to replace a lot of guys. And and the exciting thing is, it was important that you mentioned all the guys that came in that did a lot of damage, like Junior Adam, and so on, because they're going to bring in some really talented guys too. That's the way this works. In and out just like that. We are in and out just like that after a long Phoenix Rising Dang. season. Thank you uh, for listening to this point in this specific episode. And then if you were listening all season, we really do appreciate it. This was a lot of fun for me, man. I mean, you talk about finding a team at the right moment. We found it here. We can sit here and uh, say that they failed this year with exiting at this stage. But it was a joy to watch them in, in form and just smacking people. Because <laughs> it was a lot of smacking being done. And it was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, it, especially with this being our first year as partners, and this is our first year with the podcast and everything, having a team to follow like this and do what they did, um, especially, I'm going to be selfish here, for me specifically, getting to go to training and, and talk to the guys and Rick and all that, have them on our podcast as guests. Really looking forward to next year. Preseason should be getting going around February. We'll have... Updates for you um, on our website, ArizonaSports.com, when yeah. you have the, I would presume, announcements of at least Solo being the MVP, um, maybe a Rick Schantz coach of the year in there as well. Um, any um, transfers that may happen, if I don't write them personally, I will guarantee you they will be on ArizonaSports.com. Yeah, I have the authority to say that. They will. <laughs> okay. There you go. You heard, you heard it from Callum. Yeah, it'll be on our website. It'll be on Twitter. Um, yeah, if you're I I realize this doing our son's podcast. There are people who listen to these who don't have Twitter. Um, if you're looking for just a resource and look like you might not like Twitter because of the social media or whatever, just use it as a news source. If you want to just follow Rising, just follow Jake on Twitter, which your your Jake Anderson full name. But what's your handle? My handle is JWA1994. Okay, it's easy, easy as that. Just follow Jake, and that's it. You don't have to tweet at him. You don't have to favor or retweet his tweets. But if you just want to follow everything, Rising feel free to though. If you he's your guy, probably follow Phoenix Rising too. Just to be fair, at Phoenix Rising FC, PHX Rising FC. You can follow me if you want to see a bunch of Sun stuff. Hey, uh, you're, if you're you, a Phoenix Suns fan. See you guys. You don't you don't see I, how good of a mood Kellen's in now that the the Suns are five and two. The Suns are the surprise uh, of the NBA season. Yeah, Kellen's in a lot better mood than uh, I have seen him. <laughs> Toward the end of last year. Way too much despair. There's always been a cloud hanging over my head, but it is sunny skies for me. All right, everyone. We will see you when we see you. Whoa. Ominous to end it. All right, guys. Well, thank you very much, and uh, we'll see you next season. Peace. I did your thing right there. You you did it. We we switched spots. (laughs) Later, everyone. See ya.